In his song, Happy, Pharrell Williams proclaims, happiness is the truth. On Tribute to Happiness, we speak with guests who are putting this truth into practice, sharing their stories about what happens when happiness becomes a genuine focus. Tribute to Happiness is brought to you by Iceland's Chief Happiness Officer, Heather Svein Bjornsson. Hello and good morning. This is Iceland's Chief Happiness Officer. One does not get appointed as a nation's Chief Happiness Officer. It's a choice. It's a choice about how I want to serve my country and community, about addressing something critical that's missing in society. Listening and gratitude are things that are missing, especially in our work lives. Add those two things and positivity and productivity take off. Leave them out and work becomes routine, performance mediocre. Let's explore some new ideas and thinking about happiness at work. Let's also look at happiness at home and happiness. In this episode of Tribute to Happiness, where I, Hedin Sveinbjörnsson, Iceland's chief happiness officer, will talk to America's chief joy officer. And who is that? <laughs> yes. That's me. Oh, that's <laughs> you. <laughs> but who are you? Oh, I'm Vicky J. O'Grady Longo from the United States of America. Tell me one thing. Okay, I know my name is long, but your name is like Vicky O'Grady Longo Bongo Mongo. Like, what, <laughs> what happened to your name? Why is it? And you have a hyphen. Yes. Did you pay for the hyphen? I, when I got married, I was 30, and <gasps> I already had an identity with my maiden name. So when I married my husband, I hyphenated it. And that was the beginning of all the confusion. I should have just became a longo. And 35 years later, my father-in-law still says all the time, hey, what was wrong with longo? Uh, <laughs> but is your husband then uh, longo hyphen yes. O'Grady? No, he's just longo, but sometimes they call him O-Longo. Why is it that men don't take, like, why is it a thing that the women should take, like, what's that? Because we in Iceland, we don't do that. That, that is the simple thing. Like right. my wife, she's still... Yeah, she is just yes and and she is just like okay yeah. my wife's name is Sirio Trigodotir, but that <laughs> nobody un- <laughs> understands that patriarchal yes we're patriarchal over here you take your husband's name in the united states of america you take your husband's name but i still had my own identity yeah so i chose to stay o'grady dash longo but could your husband uh, like he could he has decided to make just O'Grady, or like I don't is think so. so? Would that be matriarchal, or what? What do you? Yeah, say? that would be. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, they don't do that over here. We have to change this. We we will set this uh, thing in motion. I will talk to Biden, and we will just like okay. woohoo. But <laughs> okay, I have to talk. Tell people that I have known you for a what a half an hour, half half another year. No. One and yeah. a half year. <laughs> I'm since, just. I, yeah. I think I'm talking in since riddles. January since January. Yeah, last year or this year? I can't remember. Like this year. Okay. This year. And you have been to Iceland, and yes, twice. 
if you would not have ears, you would smile all the way around. <laughs> so let's talk about why you are so joyful and why you tell people or like you as I, I am like self-acclaimed Iceland's chief happiness officer. And now I, I added the American chief joy officer to you. So, <laughs> so what, what, what is, why is it chief joy officer? Well, we live in a time where every conversation leads to condemnation. And most people are, you know, separated, living out in their own ideological bunkers. And there's a lot of social constructivism going on right now and cancel culture worldwide. And I decided ever since I was a little girl, no matter what happened to me, I was always going to find joy. It was something that was innate. And now as an adult, going through my career, um, I've just always been a happy person and I've always been able to overcome adversity. I've always been a very grateful person and I've always um, said thank you. I've always been a card raider. I do calligraphy. I like to bring joy to other people because it brings joy to me and it's contagious. And I think when we share values and we share hearts, we connect the dots between people, cultures, uh, belief systems, because I think we need to celebrate more that we have in common than those things that we don't. And joy is universal. Joy is colorblind. Um, joy is spiritual. It's internal. Uh, even agnostic people have joy. Yeah. It's just something that it sets a stage for living your life in a state of jag joy, abundance, gratitude, and grace. And if you can give yourself grace, and if you can wake up every morning knowing that it's a clean slate, you touch the lives of other people differently because we leave an impact and you can hurt someone or you can help someone. So every day I set out to leave an unapologetic legacy to when I leave a person to let them feel something special happen to them. I do the same thing in my communications when I write letters and I'm, you know, expressing thankfulness for things that I've done for me. And I love doing random and anonymous acts of kindness. Those are my favorite ways to connect with people. So as I know, because when, before we started making this recording, you told me that you had been in the car, like, before you went to work, you were what, half an hour? No, one and a half no. hour. One and a half hours to get into work today and then drove around in between clients and then just almost two hours to get home. How can a person in the right <laughs> mind be always be so cheerful when you, like, what do you do? Like, what is your secret? Are you just singing tunes or are you like a madonna in the car or like, like what do you do to just cope with all this dry or like being stuck in traffic okay i know because we in iceland our biggest fear is that we maybe are in traffic for 20 minutes or 30 minutes like <laughs> but one and a half hour or two hours like, like that's crazy so what do you yeah. do like what, what what how can you be so joyful like in the situations well first of all i'm grateful that i have a job and i'm grateful that i'm alive 
and I work for a major global biopharmaceutical company. And I know that on my way to work, I'm getting ready to impact the lives of patients and to make a difference in healthcare providers and spend time all day educating. And when I'm in the car, I use that time as me time. I do a daily devotional with Lectio 365 in the morning. I listen to podcasts. I'm an avid, ferocious reader, so it's an opportunity to listen to Audible. I tap into podcasts, and we also have a learning academy at work, so I can watch videos while I'm driving or listen remotely. So I also use that time to catch up with friends and family on the phone. And I even do have opportunity to connect with clients if I'm running late or not sure when I'm going to arrive. But it is definitely a sacrifice, but it's a commitment to the end result. So the joy for me is knowing that when I actually do get where I'm going, because I live outside of New York City. So the commute, there's only three ways to get into New York City or around New York City, and it's bridges and tunnels. So when I took this role nine years ago, I committed to the process of commuting. And unfortunately, I can't use mass transit because I carry a, you know, I carry promotional materials, uh, binders, and it would just be too much. So what I try to do is unwind in the car and uh, I allow people to cut me off and pass me because <laughs> what am I going to do? Get mad because they're one car in front of me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just it's a true testament to letting it go and being not attached to the process. But the joy comes from the privilege of driving, of having a car, of being mobile, of getting out of this house after 18 months of being in a pandemic. You know, for an extrovert, I was bouncing off the walls for 18 months. It was really hard. Thank God for, you know, Zoom calls because, you know, for a, for a person in sales to be told you're going to now work from home overnight and what started out as two weeks turned into over 600 days of being home, I, I'm happy to be out in traffic. Mm. But how how is it, as you mentioned, that you, okay, you know, it's clearly clearly sounds like you know the 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 vision of the company and you know what your purpose is at the company and and because my we are talking about happiness and happiness at work maybe okay joy at work because happiness is related to the word joy but how how do you see the happiness at, at work aspect in a sense of or call it joy at work, whatever, just so we are on the same page. What yeah. what drives you in the workplace to, as I you, you have mentioned, the things of you love to surprise people or you like anonymously put maybe a chocolate on the table or whatever. Like, what is it in your mind? What is it that makes you as a, like, what what makes you tick at work? What 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 brings you happiness at work? Well, first it's it's the mission. It's breakthroughs that change patients' lives. And at this major biopharmaceutical company that I work for, they have an architecture that's made up of four values: excellence, courage, equity, and joy. I've aligned myself with the value of joy and all that goes into joy. And it's very important for me that my colleagues know and understand their why, and that when we go to work every day as the face of this worldwide company, 
that we leave a legacy, an unapologetic legacy, one that touches the lives of physicians and healthcare providers, nurses, medical assistants, everyone that's in the tribe that I work with. It's to make sure that when they go and do their job, after they've been in my presence, they might therefore be a different person and respond differently because they've been treated kindly or they've been remembered. I remember birthdays. I try to mark significant events in my calendar so that I can remember, connect, and celebrate life with everyone. And at Pfizer, oops, there you go. Now you know. Yeah. Oh, I love this. (laughs) Oops. So, um, you know, uh, we've been in the limelight a lot lately. And and I feel that with my opportunities at work, I went back to grad school a couple years ago at 55, and I got a master's degree in executive leadership because I wanted to lead more from a place of value. And I was able to go to the new president of the division and say to her, I would like to be Pfizer's first ever chief joy officer. And immediately they started calling me hashtag CJO. I became the chief joy officer and I was able to start working with a colleague resource group called Cheers, which was an opportunity for me to then dig in a little bit deeper to the value. I worked on a couple corporate projects around the value of joy and I've been writing happiness highlights. So every Monday, any colleague that's a part of this resource group gets a very valuable, very one-page small newsletter that talks about a way to be happy. Because what I know to be true is happiness is circumstantial and happiness can change from moment to moment. But joy comes from your attributes. Joy is deep within your soul. Joy exists even in sorrow. So even when, you know, I recently lost my uh, 16-year-old Yorkshire Terrier, Mr. Bingsley, even though it's devastatingly upsetting, I still have joy for the years that we were together. And you can find gratefulness even in adversity. So when you have an abundance mentality, you're always thinking outside of yourself. You're always thinking about the other person that you're connecting with. And it's all about creating a sense of belonging because everybody just wants to know that they're loved and everybody just wants to know that they're a part of something. And with a polarized world and extremism, which breeds contempt and separation of, you know, everything that you hear in the news right now, I think the more that we turn off the volume of the negativity and we raise up the volumes of the Beatitudes and the fruit of the spirit and believing in a God or something to look up to, something to look forward to, something to believe in, we can be at peace as a people and celebrate our alikeness versus our differences. And I said that earlier. So when I go to work every day, when I do my job well, a patient's course of treatment is changed a doctor's prescribing habits are altered and I do the best I can to scientifically relay a message that matters. So at work, I totally, totally am embraced by the value of joy and what we give to work and what work gives to me. And I give back to work tremendously. I probably put an extra 
15 to 20 hours a week into my job above and beyond my day job. Um, I also love the DNA of joy. So I'm a licensed cytogeneticist by trade and I love the study of DNA. So I started looking at, hmm, what would the DNA of joy look like? What, what would the helix and what would be parts of, if I compared the joy of DNA to a human genome, how could I tell a story around how joy is replicated and transcribed and how joy becomes a message? And it was kind of cool. And that brought me to this whole platform for chief joy officer from both a spiritual and emotional and a scientific vein. It's kind of cool. The, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I maybe understood 50% of what you're saying about the chromo, <laughs> whatever education you have, because you like my English, sometimes my English is just like, I started to think about a yacht when you started to talk about the DNAs and stuff. So I was just like, Okay, I have to focus. But you are alone in this. Like, how many are you then in in this quest? Because, we, okay, you mentioned Pfizer. And Pfizer is not like a 100-person company. How many people no, are 90, there? Like, it's a, it, yeah, 90,000. And the image I got in my head when you were talking about all this and the effort you put in and because you are extremely... I will start again. You are such a giver. You just, you give and give and give. In my mind, all of a sudden, I saw you as Don Quixote. Like, <laughs> like are you the only one? And uh, do you have this armor on? And you're just like, I'm the chief officer of joy. And then people just like, <laughs> oh my, there comes Wiki. Like, how is it? Because it's it's one thing when when, <laughs> when it's so big like it's you must be fighting some windmills like you are an established company you they have like the company has some set of rules they have this protocol yeah. of doing things and like blah 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 and people know their role they know their purpose and people like who are working in the um um part department where they figure out how to make stuff <laughs> Yes, the research and development. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this podcast is really going well. <laughs> like, like, because, and they may be, uh, are they those kind of people that just show up, they are doing the research, they are trying to figure stuff out, and they, they go home and they know the role there. Or, like, how, yeah. how do you cope with it? Like, what do they as a company do? You, you can't be alone in this. What does HR do? Right. Well, the beautiful part is there's there are many, many um, opportunities through the benefits programs. We have Thrive Global. We have Virgin Pulse. There's different apps. There's different programs that we can sign up for. But what I love about what came out of the pandemic was something called Joy Hours. And with a team of people, I was able to create a Joy Hour tip sheet. And every month had a different theme. And then within every month, there were nine or 10, sometimes 15 things that different groups could pick and choose to do so that colleagues could come together for an hour virtually to experience joy, to have a breakaway. The value of joy is very, very present yeah. and very prevalent at Pfizer. People do know who I am. And I am an N of one 
that I am a party of many. So anyone that I come in contact with who comes alongside of me thinks it's a fantastic idea to have a chief joy officer and they would love to be on my team. So I am creating something that doesn't exist. It's never existed before and it's brand new. And if you Google it, there's only one other chief joy officer that I know of, and that's Richard Sheridan out at Menlo Innovations, who actually wrote the book, Chief Joy Officer, and put the wind in my sails and actually encouraged me to go for it. And it's been a long journey, and I'm hoping and um, working towards it becoming a reality. But how is it, Vicky? Because we too just instantly clicked. And when you came here for a visit, like it was like we had just been on a, like you were the long lost sister on whatever, like it, it was <laughs> like you had been on a weekend abroad or something, even though yeah. we had just known each other for this quarter of amount of time. Yeah. And, and because we two are similar in that sense that we give unbelievable much. Yeah. And then maybe we don't receive as much or like there is there is an unbalance there is there is not balance in this we give but we don't receive so how, how do yes. we cope with that because that like you you can how, how how is your day how when you do you never go into this pitfall of why am i doing this yes i have those moments i think we all do but the outreach this is my mission field I don't need to go to a third world country to be a missionary. There are people hurting right in my own neighborhood. There are people who don't belong. There are um, people who could have experienced trauma in the ways that I've experienced some childhood trauma. It's just about loving people. And that's what we're called to do as Christians. I'm a believer. And God gives me enough that I can give it away to other people. It's not a panacea. There are days where I wake up and I feel blue, but those are the days when I get to business and I'll write someone a note or I'll pick up the phone and leave someone a voicemail. I look for the sunrise and the sunset. I look for the wind in the leaves. I experience joy within me and then it oozes and bubbles up from out of me. And meeting you was it's inexplicable. It was just a connection. I couldn't wait to come back to Iceland. I knew that, you know, you were going to be one of the first people I saw. You welcomed me into your home. You and your wife uh, made a beautiful meal. I met your family. I got to know more about your lifestyle and your happiness and your way of life and your culture. But it was like family. And I think joy is a connector. And it connects people regardless, you know, and it's a feeling and it's, um, it's full of hope and it brings enlightenment and it, it inspires people to be better. Cause when you know better, you do better. So yeah, there's days where I wake up and it's really hard to bring it, but if I don't bring it, I can, I can be an, I can be a Tigger, which is what I choose to be, or I can be an Eeyore. And Eeyore's always looking for his tail, always lost his tails, never enough honey, right? I'd yeah. rather be a tigger. I'd rather be a candle that people can reflect 
or I can light up. You know, it's like only a candle can put light into darkness. You know, you can only make darkness light. You can't make light dark. It just doesn't work that way. And I just believe that I was put here on earth to be different despite circumstances of how I got to here. And I am a learner and I love bringing people together and I love loving people. You know, I have a saying that I don't scuba dive. I, I don't snorkel with people. I scuba dive, you know, because I want to know you. I want to know what motivates you. I want to know what makes you tick. I want to really be in your circle. Not, not everybody, but most people like you, as soon as I meet you and I feel the energy, I want to know how you got to be you so that I can be a better me. And that is always like, because we have a similar story because I know like I, I'm a son of alcoholic and I know we have a similar like story, our backgrounds and that, that is always something that shapes us. But that brings me to the happiness at home thing, because <laughs> like I, I, want, I was thinking about how can I tease her about like, if you're such a joyful person, why is your plant behind you dead? No, no I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> That's my thirty-year-old jade plant. Behind yeah. Okay. Me. <laughs> As I said, it was a bad joke. But like, how, how, you and your husband, like, how, how do you do it? Like, how is he the person who says, "Okay, Vicky, try to smile a little less," or like, <laughs> <laughs> no, or, or, uh, happiness uh -huh. at happiness at home? Like, what, what do you do? What, like, how, how can you? But you have. In a sense, you have explained it because sitting yes. in a car for four hours a day is just like, yes. oh my God. Well, happiness at home. Or joy at home or something. Speaking first. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we have a little bit of a joke around here sometimes when I'm not being uh, very conducive to a conversation or exemplifying happiness. John will say to me, oh, that wasn't very chief joy officer of you, was it? <laughs> Oh, that but, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's humor. My husband is the kind of person that brings laughter into a lot of moments that could be tense or terse. And it's seeking first to understand before being understood. And it's sacrificing yourself, which a lot of people don't want to talk about today. But when you're in a relationship, you have to remember your why. What was the reason we fell in love in the first place? And what were our dreams? And what was the vision for this home? And ever since John and I got married, we had a couple of non-negotiable agreements. One of them was not to repeat the mistakes our parents made in raising us, that we were going to be very well aware of the things that hurt us. Mm -hmm. And we were going to have different tools in our toolbox. And the second thing was we were never going to go to sleep angry. And we were going to allow our home to be a lighthouse. Our home was going to be the place that our child wanted to bring her friends to. We were going to be the couple that exhibited what good looked like. And we were always going to have reconciliation. So no matter what happened, we were all in from the beginning. And we dated for seven and a half years before we got married. We actually went for therapy before we got married to make sure that we were compatible, <laughs> that we didn't grave dig. And that we actually, yeah, we did. It's we the longest date uh, people have had, in yes. my opinion. <laughs> yes, we dated seven and a half years before we got engaged. And then a year later, we got married. Yeah. And we made sure that we were going to fight fair if we fought at all. 
and that we were never going to be disrespectful to each other, which is a really hard one to hold up because when you're angry, it's very easy to go guttural. It's very easy to grave dig. It's very easy to bring up the past or go into someone's weaknesses because this is the relationship that you're most vulnerable with. But I would say that I have a true partnership and I married a gem and he loves me for who I am, who I've evolved into because I'm not the same person he married, nor is he the same person I married. But um, John has a very high tolerance level and he allows me to dream and I allow him to have his life. We don't, you know, it's funny because there's a lot of like romantic, there's a lot of ways to romanticize marriage. And it's, it is a romance. I've always wanted a romance. He actually did sing to me at our wedding and he's not a singer, but mm. he did it because he knew it would make me happy. Is there a video? No. <laughs> he makes me coffee every day and brings it to me. Oh my. He, he does. He makes me coffee and brings it to me every day. And he thinks more of me than of himself. And he's extremely loyal and he's a really good dad and he's just a good human. You know, I really don't know anybody that doesn't like John Longo. There are people who find me a bit much, but I don't know anyone that doesn't like my husband. And I know a lot of people. He never burns bridges. He could go back to work anywhere he's ever worked. But the secret to marriage is just falling in love with your partner all the time. It's saying thank you. It's being grateful. It's noticing the little things that they do because there's a lot of little things you know, I always tell him, John, oh my gosh, if you pass away before me, I'm going to need some kind of a notebook because I don't even know how to drain the furnace. Like there's all these things, you know, there's all these things. Yeah, but then you learn that the hard way, don't you? Like you just <laughs> like you, you, you have to do it. Isn't it like that? Like that is life. That is you, you become yeah. like, it's funny when you, I have always mentioned it with me and my wife because we have been together for ages and then. I come home from work and I say about dinner and we think about the same things for dinner and it's just like sometimes it's creepy because it's like <laughs> you are, what, what is, is it telekinesis or what, like you are yeah, intertwined um, or something. I say it like witchy poo. Yeah, it's, it's scary. So, but but you have probably come into like your happiness at home, happiness in life, whatever it takes to do and and. Me and John, we instantly clicked when you were here, and we ganked up on you. Yeah. As like we yeah. need, we are. <laughs> I think we will be a, a, a army of three when we have to <laughs> tease you a little bit. But oh, yeah. is there something that that you you see in, like, I am. I took a course in chief happiness uh, to be a chief happiness officer. Could you be a, a leader in? the movement of chief joy officers? Like, could you establish a movement in, like, because in, as I know it, that you in America, you, you, you go very much to church and you, you seek joy there or, or whatever, mm -hmm. in what kind of form. The, the, for me, as an outsider, the church is all, always the, the thing in the middle, like everybody talks about, I am, I'm going mm -hmm. to church. I get my thing from church. So mm -hmm. it, do you think that will change in near future so that people have to, they are maybe going away from that or, or is this just a European thing? <laughs> 
you know, like, un- like could you see? Yeah. I think, unfortunately, any kind of exclusivity, as I said earlier, breeds contempt. And I think when people call themselves something, you actually separate yourself from someone else who might not relate to that word, like saying to someone that you're a Christian, like, what does that mean? I think it it shows up better in your actions and in the way you behave and the way you treat other people and how you live your life. Like my husband, he's not a missionary type. He's not going to go out and pass out pamphlets and invite people to a Bible study. It's just not who he is. It's not his personality, but he lives it every single day. And, um, you know, there are some churches here that are growing by leaps and bounds because they're real. We go to a church called Emergence, which is a non-denominational Bible teaching church. You go in jeans. uh, It's not a church. It's in a warehouse. They have a coffee bar. People show up on motorcycles. Some people smoke outside. There's no judgment. And those are the churches that are filling the need for people that are looking for something to be better, right? They're, they're, it's sort of counterculture. I think the, uh, the times of the white church with the steeple and the getting dressed up and the going from nine to Sunday school and then 11 to 1230 to big church. It's, I don't, I just think that the world has changed and people work on Sunday. We don't really have a day of rest anymore. Everything is open seven days, you know, seven days a week, 24 seven, you know, I, what I would hope is that people would find the meaning and that the spiritual aspect of their life would come forward. And for me, you asked me if I thought I was leading a joy movement or if I could lead, lead a movement of joy, that is my vision. That is my mission. And, um, you know, I recently named the consulting firm that I plan on starting on November 11th on 11, 11, it's called JAG, um, J A G G living in your joy, abundance, gratitude, and grace. And I would like to help people bring joy back into their life and, you know, find ways to be positive, but not in a toxic way, uh, to find ways to forgive because forgiveness is for us, you know, it's not for the other person. It's, you know, you can want, you can like long for a parent or a friend or someone to come to you and say they're sorry, but really it's about forgiving in spite of forgetting. It's just about moving on and letting that toxic feeling get out of your system because it makes us sick. And I think hurting people hurt people. So the longer that we hurt as a culture, then we hurt other people. And it's not about, you know, capitalizing on getting over on one another. It's about what can we do to help one another? How can we lift each other up? So for me, I would be so blessed beyond measure to actually be appointed as Pfizer's first chief joy officer. It's, it's my passion project. I love people. And I think having the opportunity to hold the feelings and the emotions of a corporation in my hands and then molding and providing opportunity for growth and development around the values, gratitude, joy, kindness, you know, kind of like going back to the golden rule. I think we all in life need to treat others how we want to be treated, but somehow we've forgotten that. And um, it starts in the home. You know, it starts in the home. We have to start with our children and we have to, stop the rhetoric 
and stop mm. canceling each other and allow people to have freedom of mind and to be welcoming regardless of what you believe in and to just be honored to be in each other's company. I think that that we're not really as separate as we think we are. And I think calling out specific people for specific accomplishments, I don't think that makes everyone feel like they belong. I think we all need to celebrate each other's gifts and um, give opportunity for people to be seen, but not screaming. You know, those who scream the loudest don't win. And that's what's happening right now yeah. in the world. And it, it, it's heartbreaking. Well, I'm jacked. <laughs> Did you hear that? I'm jacked. <laughs> so let's hope, let's hope that someone in like, I, I haven't got a clue if there are people who listen to this program or this podcast. So, but maybe, maybe we have planted a seed, a jack, jacket seed. <laughs> Is it right? Is it, like jag, jag, yeah. But jag. it like you you have to put something like jacket, like jagged. Yeah, it's like jagged. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So like, let's hope that people who are listening they find some of it what you because you there there is so much truth in what you're saying, and I think that we have to we have to do something together and lift our spirits up and, and realize that all lives matter and treat people as you want to be like as you self wanted to be treated because if yeah. if you want to be beaten up then probably people will beat you up and trash you or whatever but that's not the way it has been no. it has been fantastic talking to you Vicky and even Thank though you. you you were a little nervous because you didn't know why I was talking to you, but like you have so <laughs> much to give, and, that, and you have said so many words that I, I think afterwards I have to look up in the dictionary. <laughs> I still don't know what panacea is. Panacea? Yes, thank you. Is that a disease or something <laughs> like? <laughs> it's like Italian bacon. It's like pancetta. Why didn't you say that then? Why why do you have to make it's it so not, complicated? Oh, I might like you people. Just make it simple, like kiss. Keep oh, it simple, joking. stupid for the people in Iceland. Oh, for me, but listen, I love Icelandic people. I love Icelandic food. I love the culture. I I love your countryside. I love your glaciers. I love your puffins. I love everything about Iceland. But, one of the best countries. Oh, I know, but do you love a language? Because I, I wish. Do you I remember? Wish I could say that I do. I can't even. I, I you. I wrote you and your wife a letter, and it took me like ten tries to do the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> because you it's remember, I, you remember that I had like a challenge for you in the end. I know it's hard. It's now, <laughs> now the challenge. I need you <laughs> to say one your word. Name? No, 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 no. That is Kevin Monroe's role. Uh, I need you to say one word, and that is Rada Hindrun. Rada Hindrun. <laughs> <laughs> say it again. No, Rada Hindrun. Rada Hindrun. Well, I think that is the final words of this podcast. <laughs> 
<laughs> Vicky, I love talking to you and uh, like, and I hope, I truly hope from the bottom of my heart that people will contact you or whatever and, and, and you just because the discussion and everything we are talking about, it's so important. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you very much. Thank you. This has been the Tribute to Happiness podcast. Tune in for next week's episode. You'll find us on social media.